Welcome to the Biltmore Church Podcast. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who reach up, reach in, and reach out. And this podcast is a resource that's hopefully going to help you do just that. We're back for season three. <laughs> you got the crazy eyes. You look at, when you look over and you see the crazy eyes, it's hard to keep going. If you're listening, you have no idea what's going on. But if you're watching, you're, you're in it with us. We're back. Season three. <laughs> uh, and we're in week two of our new teaching series called Ask Me Anything, where we're exploring some of the biggest and toughest questions many of us have about following Jesus. And so each Sunday of this series, we're going to tackle a question that you've submitted um, really over the last several weeks. And for this series, we're going to bring you two episodes per week. We started that last week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, covering even more of your questions. We got so many. You mentioned this on Sunday, Pastor Bruce. So we got so many questions. We felt like we had to find a way to at least get to as many of them as we can. And so hopefully this is going to help us do uh, just that. Quick introductions. My name is Christian Cooper. I'm on staff here, and I'm here today with our lead, Pastor Bruce Frank, and also with Tyler Flores, who is our production director. Um, he's also our resident C.S. Lewis expert, if you're familiar with our podcast. Today is a good day to have you on because I feel like Lewis has a lot to say about both of our topics, probably. So, so like he's C.S. Lewis, and what Logan is like Swedish proverbs. Swedish proverbs. Right? proverbs. We're starting to get the tropes pretty, going on this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure C.S. is above the Swedish proverbs. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> um, but before we get into today's question, uh, Pastor Bruce, you did a great job of teaching through question number two, which was how can a loving God allow suffering? A massive topic, one that really so many people, almost everybody's going to ask it at some point um, if they're following Jesus. And so uh, I felt like you, you summarized it really well. You hit the head and the heart. Um, but before we kind of get into today's question, just wanted to kind of look back for a minute and see if there was anything that really stood out. Maybe what God did kind of personally in your life through the week as you were studying or whatever you want to share, I think would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, typically if you're teaching preaching, you hopefully are the one that learns the most. I mean, you, you hopefully not having to share everything you mm. learn. But for me, uh, with my background and personality makeup and so forth, the two things, because it is the question. It is the question. It's, it's the question posed by culture. Anytime there's a tragedy, um, how many magazine covers, you know, where is God and how can God allow this, whether it be a tsunami or a shooting or anything like that. So it's a, it's the question that's always before us. Uh, the second thing is it's always, it's a very personal one. I mean, every, nobody, nobody audits tragedy in their life. Right. And so sometime, and that's why typically the older you get, you either get kind of sweet or you get sour. The older you get, you either have learned to take those to God and, you know, or if you just hold them in, you tend to get kind of sour and, and because the older you get, the more tragedy and the more, mm pain you end up having. So for me, um, it was the intellectual part I knew was there as far as, okay, how do you have a biblical framework for it? But the part to me that I learned the most was really the way that Jesus dealt with Mary. Because it was a, talked about, there's two sisters asked the same exact question over the same exact circumstance, and Jesus dealt with them two different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, with Martha, he dealt with the theological aspect on the resurrection and the life. But with Mary, you know, he, he, he gets greatly troubled, which that was for me, a fascinating word study, just that whole picture of his kind of anger mixed with compassion. But then the shortest verse in the Bible, I think verse 35, where Jesus wept. And I began to try to think through that because sometimes in narratives, trying to use a sanctified imagination about what does that look like? What is, what is right. the, you got to be careful with it. But if you, you know, you take it and you try to figure it out and that's where it's just like, all right, he, 
more than likely the text doesn't say that he put his arm around her, but I mean that is the scene. Is he? Yeah. He, he is very uh, sympathetic, even though he knows in five minutes he's going to perform an awesome miracle and all this is going to be over. He didn't even tell her that. He just he just he wept with her, and I thought that Jesus is same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? Well, he weeps with me. Whether you're weeping over, you know, the death of a loved one, you know, a prayer that has not been answered, whatever that is, that ministered to me the most. Yeah. And uh, being kind of a person who is not awesome with emotions, that is starting to, you know, that's kind of part of the sanctification process for me. And that was, uh, that, that was very helpful. Yeah, I would agree. I think I've, the last couple of years I've almost become like obsessed with John 11 because it's just so rich. And that picture of Jesus weeping um, and what that means, I think it's one of the best pictures of the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus, seeing him do that. Like you just said, knowing where he's going to go with it. And, and thinking, and with our four and a half months in Psalms, it was, uh, you had to avoid, you know, because we couldn't do 150 sermons yeah. or weren't doing 150. How many of the Psalms uh, were uh, dealt with suffering and unanswered prayer and confusion and doubt? And then they, they typically ended it, not all the time, but they typically ended in worship. But it took him a while to get there. That's how many times he talks to his own soul. That was, for the Psalms, that was probably my revelation in the mm -hmm. sense of how many times he's talking to his soul and mm -hmm. saying soul. You know, he's, it's not a pep talk. He's like reminding himself of the truth of God. But it, the backdrop was pain and confusion and despair. I think it was Rebecca McLaughlin said every page in Scripture, other than the Song of Solomon, every page in Scripture was written either by a sufferer or two sufferers, usually wow. both, to, by a suffering person, two suffering people. Wow. And I thought, yeah, take, Song of Solomon, take that out of there. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it, the rest of it is, yeah, I, I couldn't argue with it. Yeah, yeah. It was a great, great message. I'd encourage you to go back and check it out if you, uh, if you didn't get to, to be with us here on Sunday. And today we're actually going to tackle a question that is related to that. I feel like it ties in. It's a follow-up question for a lot of people who are going through painful times. They're going through suffering. They're wondering what God is up to um, in their situation. Um, and that question is this, are there still miracles? Does God still do miracles? Do miracles still exist in our world? Um, so I kind of want to just open it up and let's just see where it goes, uh, see what scripture has to say. Yeah, and I would say for, and then go to uh, Tiflo over there, you know, miracles by definition are exceptions. By definitions, they are exceptions. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be miracles. They would be, it's where God steps in and takes something out of the ordinary, suspends the laws that he has put in place to, to do that. That's, but to answer your question, uh, yes, for sure, God still does miracles. We see him around here all the time. Obviously, the greatest miracle is when God saves a person from their sin and has them actually swallow their pride, repent, and embrace a, you know, a person and a story that they cannot see. So... Those miracles happen all the time. We've seen health miracles. We've seen a lot of that where the circumstances are like, there's no way you can even dream that up. Um, I think the context of the grid we put in suffering is actually where miracles can kind of come in. You know, the world God made was good. Uh, our, the fall broke it. We do live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Nobody looks out the window and go, that's working perfectly. <laughs> now, people have different reasons for that, but from the biblical worldview, it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And then one part we didn't really talk about is, you know, Jesus does reverse the curse, but I would also say there's, there are times when God steps in. There are times when God steps in and just and, and, and answers something. And just sometimes it's because he's going to get glory for himself, like 
uh, I, like the Lazarus mm-hmm. uh, situation. Like actually, if you go to uh, I think John nine, and sometimes he does it just because he's a good, good dad. Mm. I mean, that's the part that I'm learning from is just because he's just a good dad. It's like I want to do something great for my kids, and boom, does that. And then and so yeah, you you do see you see miracles. We see them. You don't see them every day. I don't believe in mir- some miracle workers. To be blunt, I think right. sometimes those have been some charlatans have taken those and. Um, God does not. God has not put a nickel in and miracle on demand. Yeah, but God, God definitely performs miracles still. Yeah, I think that there's a couple things. One, like we, when you ask that question, that like the wording of that question is interesting to me. Do miracles still happen today? So there's the implicit, like, well, I think maybe they happened before, but I want to know, do they happen today? So you're probably coming at that from two places. One, you're asking because. I want to know, is God going to do something miraculous in my life? Or are you looking for a backwards excuse not to believe or, or follow after this Jesus at all? Because, well, that was then, this is now, we're sort of living in this other space. Those people that believed in miracles back then, they were, they were pretty simple. What they thought were miracles, maybe they weren't so much. Maybe it was just something they didn't understand. Right. Like, so you're either looking for a miracle right now, which is really is a different question. Like, and I think we're actually going to tackle that in our next episode mm. and just in terms of how often, how, how, how long do we petition God? But if you're like, I don't know if I believe that this miracle thing is real. If, if God is actually doing a miracle, um, I think something that C.S. Lewis, uh, here we go. <laughs> no, I, uh, what? Are you going to... Is he the one that said chronological snobbery? He is chronological snobbery yeah. guy. Um, My only C.S. Lewis quote. It's a good one. It's a good one. Basically, the idea of chronological snobbery is just that we tend to look back at the people before us and think they were dumber than us, that they, they right. were less. We The word progressive in our culture has, has created this connotation of that as we move forward, we become better. Um, as we move along this line of time, that we become better and better individuals as a race, as a culture. And that is a new phenomenon, this idea that like, oh, we're just getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And that's, that time does not bear that out. And, you know, C.S. Lewis has this whole deal about, like, he talks about Joseph. And it's like, Joseph was going to divorce Mary when she became pregnant with Jesus because he knew you can't get pregnant with, without Virg- what it requires. Virgins don't, virgins <laughs> yeah. don't, virgins get, pregnant. don't get pregnant. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, that doesn't happen. I'm going to go ahead and divorce her because this just doesn't happen. He didn't understand the science because the, the, nobody understood the science of cells and cells dividing, like an embryo. He didn't, he didn't, there was no ancient Hebrew word for embryo, but he knew this doesn't happen. And so the faith that was required for him is the same faith that's required for us. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is no difference. Joseph is not less than because he believed in a miracle that, well, we, if that happened, eh, we wouldn't believe that. Um, and I think it's important that we first examine, like, how am I approaching this idea, this question? Do I believe that this God is capable of stepping in to nature and saying this whole thing, this nature thing from beginning to end, the whole sphere of it is mine. I created it. I know all the rules and I can go in and put my finger on it and tip the scales. Mm-hmm. And is there something that I can't, and you know, that's where the, the, is there something that I can't put in a test tube that's out there? Mm. And, uh, you know, to his chronological snobbery part, I mean, I don't, it's almost like as culture disintegrates, it's getting less and less of an argument to go, boy, we are getting better and, yeah. you know, better and better, better. And actually, interestingly, that the IQ score, I saw a survey a while back that 
IQ scores actually are lower now than mm. they were 30 years ago. The same is true of... So I'm just saying, uh, Christian, what age are you? Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, too soon. No, that same thing is true, actually. We're seeing that with um, average ages. Um, so, like, we, for a while we were spiking on how long we were expected to live, and that's actually starting to dip back down as well. Mm. So there's there's plenty of numbers there. One of the things I think with the, with the miracle discussion is really interesting to me is uh, the more time you spend outside of your immediate context, like if you go to the world and you're seeing what God is doing on the mission field, it really opens your eyes to a lot of what's going on. I mean, the numbers are amazing. Just numbers don't tell the story, but it, it helps a little bit to know that like in um, Islamic cultures where people are coming to faith in Jesus, God is using like almost 80% of those people are coming through coming to Christ in some way through a vision that then leads them to an encounter yeah. with a person. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a Hindu man two weeks ago at our church, came yep. up and shared that testimony. It's like, yep. you know what, he was in the hospital. Can't remember the whole story, but in the hospital, uh, you know, had a dream. Who is this person? The dream is Jesus. Now, that general revelation then goes to specific revelation about the gospel, but yeah, you see it all the time, and that's where getting, that's that's one of the small benefits of a short-term mission trip is because yeah. you get out of our westernized mindset. Yep. And as we said, week one, I mean, it's the most diverse movement in all of human history by far. But even now, when you look at places, uh, Latin America, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Chinese, uh, the Chinese stats are the ones that stunned me in yeah. week one that, in, you know, that uh, by 2050 trends continuing, that would be a majority Christian country. And then by 2030, there would be more believers there than there are in Canada and the U.S. combined. You're yeah. like, my you know, so our little West, white westernized mm -hmm. uh, picture of what the gospel is, is, is not reality. Well, look at Mary and Martha, the, to go back to your example from Sunday, he, he shepherded them in different ways. Could it not be true that God is, he's working out his power in cultures in different ways based on what's going to be most helpful to them. And sometimes, you know, maybe in our culture, we don't see the firsthand, what we would classify a miracle, but maybe somewhere else that's happening. Right. I mean, when you look at scripture, it's a book full of miracles, right? It's full, but it, when we, it's so easy. We put our Bible down. We, we've had our time with Jesus in the morning and we've read about a miracle. Jesus turned water into wine. Incredible. I just read about this this morning. This is great. Then you walk out in your life. You don't, you look back over your own life and how many people have witnessed a miracle in, in American culture? The, it may be a relatively no, low number, but here's the thing. You've got a concentrated book of them. God's example from, from cover to cover, this is God. This is who he is. This is his revealed self. So naturally, it's going to be full of stories, but you're not necessarily hearing all the stories. My father-in-law, um, he was a missionary for like 30 years. Um, and in 1985, he was working stateside um, as a, as a missionary, um, but here, like he was doing support roles here in the States. It was um, 2.38 in the morning, and he had, that day, he had heard about a missionary um, in South America, in Colombia, who had been kidnapped. He was a, he was a pilot, um, and he had flown into a village, and guerrillas had come in, taken this guy, taken his plane, um, and kidnapped this guy. He had heard about it that day. He wakes up at 2.38 in the morning, and he just hears the Lord saying, pray, pray now, get on your knees, and pray for this guy. So he just gets on his knees, and he prays for a while. And then he said, okay, I guess I'm going to go back to sleep. The next day he gets up and he hears the story of this guy. His guy's name is Paul. Okay, so Paul had been kidnapped by these guerrillas. And he had been, he had been kept for several days um, in, in like this camp. And these, these, guys, he, these guys have been killing the people. They had been kidnapping. These were not, these were not good guys. Um, and he was just like, all right, Lord, I'm going to, I'm just going to make a run for it. I'm going I'm to try it. Um, so in the middle of the night, after being there for three nights, they've been checking on him every minute, like flashlight on him while he's sleeping. So he just says, Lord, just 
blind their eyes. So he gets up in the middle of the night um, and he's in Columbia and he just, he starts creeping out. Nobody's checking on him. He goes, he finds the plane in the dark. He gets lost, um, like in the woods. He gets lost trying to get to the plane because it's pitch black. The plane is covered in branches and, and a tarp and all sorts of things. They put barrels around the plane so they can't go anywhere. He moves all the blankets, all the plants. Um, he moves the barrels out of the way, starts the plane, flies away. Not a flashlight, not a word from these gorillas that are all around him. He looks at his clock as he's taking off. As he's, it's 1.38 in the morning, which is an hour, <laughs> an hour behind. So right at the same time that my father-in-law, and just, just to add fun to it, my father-in-law just calls some people he knows, missionaries all over the world woke up at that time. That's so wild. By the Lord said, I don't know why I got up and started praying for this dude. I got up right then at whatever the equivalent of 1.38 in the morning, Bogota (laughs) time. They got up and they started praying. And then the Lord showed up. You you probably haven't heard that story. I didn't know that story until my Mm -hmm. wife told it to me. And there are stories, thousands of stories like that. God is working on, so my challenge is go out, find a missionary and say, have you seen a miracle? Because I promise you they have. (laughs) Ask him to tell you the story and put it in your pocket because God is doing stuff all over the world. He's putting his finger on nature and saying, this is mine and these people are mine. And so when I choose at the right moment, I am going to step in. Yeah. I would say maybe to put a bow on the whole thing to tie it into your story there. If you're looking for a resource to help build your faith in some of these things we've been talking about. There's a great book. Um, it's called The Insanity of God. Uh, it's by Nick Ripkin, and he compiled stories like that of crazy God encounters that happened all over the world, especially in places where um, the gospel was, you know, not being told, not being received, and the stories are amazing. So if you're like, hey, I need some stories of this to build my faith, that's maybe the, the place to go. I don't know if we have anything to add there, but... Um, they're out there. Well, C.S. Lewis has a book called Miracles. It's also not bad. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're struggling with, like, I don't believe in miracles at all, it's a good starting place. It doesn't have lots of, like, modern-day examples. Uh, it was almost like we planned it. We did it. I'd forgotten that that's out there, but here we go. Uh, so hopefully that helps encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Uh, we're going to be back this Thursday answering yet another question. Uh, glad you're on this journey with us. As always, you're loved and sent. <laughs>